Hey everybody, it's Comics on Infinite Earths. We're in our final rundown of the series. And I have my reoccurring co-host, special guest star, taking over the show, I guess, eventually. Just like uh, when uh, Eric Estrada left Chips and was replaced because of contract issues. But when he was brought back, the show was canceled. I don't know where this metaphor is going at all. Um, I, that well, went hard I'm, at least I'm hoping that... At least, at least you're not saying that I'm the uh, guys who replaced the guys from on Books of Hazard. That, that's why I should have. I was literally thinking that as I was saying it. He's what was it? Bo and Luke, and then it was like Hank and oh, I don't remember Larry. Yeah. I can't was, remember. Bo and Carl. Bob and Doug. <laughs> Mackenzie. Oh my God! If Dukes of Hazard would have been taken over by the Mackenzie <laughs> brothers, oh, good day, Boss Hog. Uh, we're not drinking any beer. No legal in this county, eh? It'd be a much more entertaining show, to say the least. Yes, I, we got to we got to do this. We got to pitch this right now. An animated version, uh, just called "The Brew of Hazard." You know, we on this show we have come up with a lot of stuff. So I, we need to start writing this down and uh, getting some rights and start actually doing doing some of these things. <laughs> yeah, we got a video game to make. We got a couple of movies to make. We talk a big game. What do we do with it? We accidentally left the left the game on the bus, and someone else is playing it. Alright, so this episode we'll be discussing New Avengers Disassembled, basically just the end and reboot of The Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis. And because, you know, we said originally when we did this show, we're going to do the big major storylines. Sometimes I like to pick just really good stories to discuss. And frankly, I am astonished by the Iceman relaunch from a couple years ago. Uh... Let's start there, because I think Avengers is going to take a lot of time. For me, Iceman has always been my favorite X-Men, and I think that was solidified. Well, I think a lot of people in my generation know solidified because of the cartoon. Yeah, I can see that. I'll be honest, he's never been a favorite of mine, but then a lot of it is, you know, when I was reading X-Men, it was in the, at the very beginning, was in the 90s, so of course it's... Oh, yeah, Wolverine and Cable and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, and the, using uh, the cartoon, you kind of get, you know, I, you kind of like Cyclops and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, Iceman never hooked me too much as a character. Even when I went back uh, as a grown-up and was reading all the Golden Age and Silver Age stuff, all those, all the original uh, storylines. And, yeah, he just... He's been good. I've enjoyed him as a character in storylines, but as a whole, it's like it, I never really sat there and go, "Oh yeah, I." He's the character I would want to uh, follow in a in a uh, as a solo book. Yeah. Well, and okay. So I'll this, say that they, good. they really screwed it up. Let's go before this. I kind of want to go through a little bit of the history of how Iceman was tossed away. There's the 70, what is it, 76 relaunch with Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum, where they got rid of all of the X-Men except for uh, Cyclops and Jim Gray. So Beast was taken over to Avengers. Beast is as popular with the Avengers as he is with the X-Men. It just always has been a big deal for, especially my generation, because he was a big part of that. But... The ones that were lost, basically, was Angel and Iceman. They didn't know what the hell to do with them. They put them in the Champions for 17 issues, which is a fucking weirdo team. You ever you ever read that or heard of them? 
I've heard of them, but no, I've never read it. It's now imagine. Oh, hey, we have the Avengers. Now we have the Defenders, which are more the cosmic heroes, the intergalactic heroes. Well, teams sell very well. We can build another team from the leftovers that weren't good enough for the other teams, or for some reason aren't on the other team. So it's Hercules, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, Iceman, and um, uh, Angel. I almost said Hawkman. Well, yeah, Hawkman would have been a better, uh, at that time anyway, a much better inclusion on a team than Angel. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it didn't last. It's some reason finally remembered. It comes up in the Iceman storyline we're going to discuss. I think the second book, which I don't know if you read it. They all gather back yeah. together. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Is that the first one? No, I haven't read that book. Okay. Uh, no, the first one's mostly just him and his and his folks storyline. Yeah. So uh, then that didn't sell, and then um, there's the Defenders, and around 120, I think, is when they decided to change the team up. Doctor Strange is out, Silver Surfer, Hulk, and Namor. The original Defenders, they're all gone. The team was always kind of weird anyway because they kind of fluctuated. There was never really a solid roster. It was just whoever was there at the time. And they decided they wanted a core team and keep them that way for a long time. It only lasted about 30 more issues. But that's when the Beast, um, uh, Angel, and Iceman were all added to the Defenders. So they're there for a while, then that fell apart, and then um, they did an Iceman miniseries. J.M. DeMattis did that, and it's a big bag of shit. The art's great, the story just doesn't work. And then they started X-Factor. Now, you've read X-Factor probably, or at least are familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I've read read much much more X-Factor than even the old old X-Men. So, like, for a decade, he wasn't even part of the X-Men universe. And the only exposure to the public, basically, was in the cartoon. And uh, he, he hasn't left the X-Men since. He's never gone on to any other weirdo teams, as far as I know. And he, he was... I always, I always choose Nightcrawler or Iceman as my favorite X-Men. Because I always seem kind of like the Misfits. You know, one, obviously, because Nightcrawler, the way he looks. But Iceman... I don't know, he just he was kind of the younger one and kind of the goofball kid and his family was ashamed of him, but he, yeah, he still wanted to be connected to his family. And I remember the Onslaught storyline. Do you remember this one? Yeah, unfortunately. But that's when all of a sudden they decide to make an Iceman a contender, like a big gun. They, they, they started to expand on what his powers could do. I can't remember who even did it. It was... Uh, uh, it, who, I, who, I don't remember the creative name. Who that. relaunched yeah. Deadpool? It was Joe Madureira. Not Joe Madureira. Um, shit. Joe Kelly, I think. I think it was Joe Kelly. Yeah, yeah, Joe Kelly. I'm pretty sure he was behind the storyline where he was working on uh, Iceman, and they said, well, if he can freeze his body and can freeze the air around him, what else can he freeze? And they're like, well, let's tap into the fact that he can freeze the blood flow to your brain. He can build armor on top of himself. He can make weaponry with it. And uh, if I remember correctly, he had a hole punched through his chest, and he was terrified to go back to human form because he wasn't sure what would happen. And that was a really great storyline. He worked with a White Queen to, you know, work on it, you know, develop his powers and become more powerful. And I think that's kind of the. Re- and that's. Go ahead. Well, uh, later on, because you also uh, he's now classified as the Omega Omega level mutant, and. 
at that point, basically, he is one of the most powerful mutants on the, the entire Earth. Yeah. But for years, he was just, oh, he's a guy who could throw snowballs and build bridges. You know, that was it. And it seems so like you're not tapping into what makes his character so great. And I think that's where this uh, this comic really does shine because it's it also kind of it's not an unfortunate thing let me say it like this but it's kind of unfortunate due to how the storyline ultimately ends up uh with one of the things that uh brian michael bendis did was he took he had beast bring the original x-men from the past into the present because comics. Yeah. It's so confusing. If they're here, how are they doing the adventures in the past? I don't I don't understand how this is possible. Is he screwing up a timeline? Oh, completely. And it does get addressed in a uh, all new X-Men Guardians of the Galaxy crossover where Beast kind of ends up getting his powers all supercharged and cosmic and starts seeing, and this is the young beast, starts seeing how he has basically almost torn reality apart by doing what he, what his future self did. But it, this, this storyline comes after, uh, at one point, Jean Grey goes into Bobby, young Bobby Drake's mind, young Jean Grey too, and basically outs him as being dead. Yeah, I did read this. I forgot I had. Which, it's a revelation, and it's, you know, it's like, okay, that's an interesting way to go with, with the character and bring something new to the table. But then, how this, and this is like a spoiler for even later to this, they send everybody back to the past. But you can't have them have all the memories that they had from the future. So they basically put like a, a brain lock on it. So it's like, I remember kind of a fallout to this where it's like, you made Bobby gay and then you threw him back in the closet. Yeah, that's a, that's a strange choice. So, yeah, well, it's like, it's the only way you can do that because if you're going to have continuity, he can't be out and proud all throughout these adventures and plus have all the knowledge of everything that they're going to do, all, all that crap, because... None of that is apparently referenced in 30, you know, 40 years of continuity. So we have to make the worst choice, in, you know, worst choice possible. Man, this is part of the reason why I stopped reading X-Men. I'll pick it up every once in a while. But their convoluted timelines are so annoying. And flipping things around and changing this. Oh, oh now there's only so many mutants. Oh, and now we're going to bring these people back. They've been dead like 15 times before. Like, what do I care? So the X-Men, for me, I love the idea of the characters, but the plotting is what just, like, slugging through oatmeal. See, I like that. I I kind of enjoy the messy continuity and, and the inconsistencies and stuff. But, yeah, it's also one of those things where it's very hard to find places to say, hey, you can jump right into X-Men here. Yeah, because... I think that's part of the problem with a lot of comics is because... The, it's just, I guess back in the day, they were one-and-done kind of storylines. And I keep getting nostalgic for old comics, but I keep realizing when I revisit them that they're garbage. None of it matters. Yeah, only like one out of every 800 storylines in comic history seem to matter. So 
I guess yeah. I guess having a, a timeline, even if you have to reconfigure things or reboot things, I guess is better. It is, and like I said, recontextualizing these things, and that's a little bit where I like Marvel over the DC stuff. Even though I think I've I've been the banner, the 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 the, the banner for uh, Marvel on this one, where you're the DC guy. I am more of the DC. Uh, guy. <laughs> yeah, it. Because I remember you're talking in one of the previous episodes about the kind of Marvel versus DC dichotomy of continuity, where, yeah, Marvel kind of plays fast and loose with it, but for the most part, stories that happened previous to it still exist and are referenced and all that, whereas DC, every you know five years, decides, let's go ahead and reboot the universe and just start over. Right, because we fucked up. <laughs> So yeah, it's I, the, the, I I like that about Marvel, but yeah, it makes everything so messy because after a while you just can't reference some of these old stories because they're politically you know offset from what's going on now or socially or something, and it just kind of feels weird and wonky. And a lot of the '90s we all want to forget. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's I think that's why they did. Ooh, a lot I of like Ben Riley as a character. You know, I was just thinking about this. We're gonna do an Alpha Flight episode. Well, not Alpha Flight, but just like oh Canada. We're gonna discuss Captain Canuck and Alpha Flight. Yes, I already did an episode two weeks ago to discuss Alpha Flight, but it's friggin' so interesting that I need to discuss it more. Um, you don't run this show. I do. You can turn it off now if you're if you're mad. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not helping the audience at all. Um, but I was just thinking about how. 25 years ago, Northstar was the first gay comic book character, and I feel like there was less of a hubbub about it then than there is now, because of, uh, I don't know, certain president bringing out a lot of rage. And well, people, but, I probably existed before that, too. Society, it's just been building. Yeah, yeah. yeah, society as it is right now, everybody wants to be angry about representation one way or the other where it's either too much representation of groups that have not had representation before and now, oh my God, everybody is now Muslim or gay or whatever. Ah, we can't have this. Comics were never political, except we never read comics, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just, uh, well, the, the mutants have always stood they're, for... They're represented, but they're not represented right. Yeah, well, mutants have always been a metaphor for the, the outcast, the misfit, the... Uh, the minority, and it's changed with each decade. You know, the 60s, it was more of a metaphor for black people. 70s, uh, it was kind of about women's rights. You know, uh, 80s, uh, about gays. 90s, okay, I'm running out of people. Well, yeah, you know, there's always seems like a, a different feeling for each yeah. decade. Yeah, because 90s had uh, the legacy virus, which is essentially AIDS, uh, an AIDS parallel. Sorry, I accidentally unplugged... Oh, hold on. <laughs> I unplugged something. I, you keep talking. We're good. I was just okay. distracted. <laughs> yeah, because apparently you have, uh, during uh, Extinction Agenda, where that kind of started, and then throughout that, they started having this thing called the Legacy Virus, and it targeted only mutants, and that's how everyone thought AIDS was. It only targeted the gays. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, people started having a, uh, it started showing up, in other people who weren't gay, and all of a sudden, 
that's where it also started paralleling in the comics where it jumped to humans. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting parallel where, again, you go, people who are arguing that comics were never political, as I said, apparently never read comics. Yeah, especially not Marvel. Marvel's always more political than DC. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and that's where I, you know, when when they revealed the uh, Bobby Drake is gay thing, it's, you know, it, let's see, trying to find (laughs) the best way. Uh, Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, I went, okay, that's an, like I said, it's an interesting take on the character, and I'm just curious, where are they going to go from, you know, from there? And the solo series definitely does a good job of tapping into, okay, you thought you were one way, and now you've had a revelation about yourself. How do you, how do you now cope with, with a thing? Especially if you have a mini you running around dating a guy who is apparently hotter than anyone you have ever dated <laughs> as a straight man. Yeah, yeah. So let, yeah, let's get into the storyline. Yeah. So basically, he's training him, his younger self. And he's watching his younger self. How old is he supposed to be at this point? 15, 16? I, I've always been confused about Bobby's age. Yeah, I think by that point, yeah, he's probably like 15 or so. And then how old is Bobby 16. now? 26, 27? Oh, prob- probably is 30. Really? Because really. the Marvel Universe confuses me because I always feel like it's... I used to think it was every four years of the comic was equal to one year of our lives. And... Uh, so that means Bobby is about 50? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that becomes where a lot of the, the continuity and the, the long-running time of these things turns into a you know, shit show of confusion because, yeah, by logical things, these guys should be, what, in the 50s, 60s at this point? I mean, granted, Magneto should be dead, but then again, they also had him reverted to a younger version of himself. Oh, and did they? Man, I missed a lot. Uh, grew up, yeah, yeah. That oh, that's that's even old. That's like X Men two hundred or something. Oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, okay, I got. You. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, way back in the day when he decided to become a good guy. Yeah, because he he went on trial and oh, we're not. You know, he can't. He's a different person than the guy who his body used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. Is there's the, there's a lot of tension here, but not like like a nervous tension. But there's like this relationship tension because Kitty Pride and, and Iceman dated, and they have this history. But also she dated Colossus. I don't even remember when she dated Iceman. This must have been more recent. Yeah, I I want to say that is like post uh, post like after the launch of New X Men. I think somewhere in there. It's like, I remember it, but I don't remember when. So you're going like early, you know, early-ish 2000s. And of course, the big thing is, yes, there's bad guys in this. He's taking on like these neo-Nazi purifier guys. Uh, That's only kind of a side note. Uh, It's more about his coming out to his parents. And it's so funny that they're like, well, we dealt with the mutant thing. but We can't deal with this because we're stuck in our way, idiots. And it's it's mind-boggling. Yeah, well... Well, it's funny because it's not really until you get to the end of this arc where you kind of get some feeling of resolution, like they've come around a bit. Because even when they're talking about like he's going to his folks' place to to officially come out to them, and it doesn't happen, but they don't really want to deal with, with the mutant thing to begin with. They're just kind of, yeah, we're you're a mutant. You... 
you should be a firefighter if you really want to help people not run around in tights. And we just don't want to deal with that. So it's, it's just kind of like we sweep it under the rug where it's it's the dirty secret that no one wants no one wants to talk about as opposed to we've come to terms with it. It's just we don't we don't speak of that. Not in this household. <laughs> hey, there's a there's a villain in this who pops up in the second arc. Um, I'll, I'll say this. The second arc isn't nearly anywhere nearly as good as the first one because all the tension basically is gone. Um, it's you know he has reunite uh, like I said reunites with the champions, but he takes on Dakin. Who the hell is Dakin? I, I haven't oh, paid yeah. attention to X Men in like oh. twenty years. What's going on with this character? Okay, that is Wolverine's son. Ah, I figured. And yeah, well yeah, you can tell he has the claws, and but he also he, he has claws. He can regenerate. He also has pheromone powers, where he can manipulate your pheromones, oh. which makes him a far more efficient assassin. Interesting. Does he have and, a daughter? X-Men had a daughter, right? X-23? Uh, he Technically, I guess you can call her his daughter. She's a clone. But since she's his DNA plus someone else's, technically, daughter? Oh, they made a kid or about the fun part. Dang. Yeah. he's she's, She is my favorite X-Men. Oh, really? Of all the ones I didn't expect you to tell me that. Oh, oh man. They... That character's arc from when they introduce her all the way to now is amazing. It's, yeah, it's one of those characters that I should, by all rights, hate. But somehow they managed to make her one of the most compelling characters in the entire franchise. Wow, I'm actually shocked by that because I just feel like the X-Men, I don't think they're as hot as they were 20 years ago. I think they, they've kind of petered out. And you can kind of see it with the movies too. I haven't seen the new one. Uh, I'm not that excited but i'll see eventually but i get the feeling that people are kind of burnt out on the mutants yeah well i think that was more of just a we are contractually obligated to make a movie let's do it oh it's no good okay let's just put it out anyway <laughs> yeah i don't know by, by, uh, the new mutants. By Disney anyway okay. yeah the new mutants is going to sit around forever i just know it and i also uh, Iceman in the movies has always been underutilized, and I've always been kind of a bummer for me, because the only time he really shines is when he has the showdown with Pyro at the end of what was it, The Last Stand? Uh, yeah, X3, yeah. Yeah, and him dating Rogue, it makes sense to me, I mean, this is before he found out he was gay, but I was like, well, oh, yeah. who, who can kiss Rogue? Oh yeah, well, Iceman, he can just cover his lips. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing, is he in the movies, yeah, he's, he's got some interesting interesting stuff and although we probably don't want to necessarily talk about the director any relation to the director but there is very much an interesting thing in x2 that kind of works with uh, bobby being gay now where you have where he's talking to his folks and they have the thing have you tried oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah i remember that and especially being that the director whose name we shall not name uh is is out is he officially uh, out? Because I didn't think he was. As far as, far as I know, he was he was out before that. Okay. Not but, that yeah, that's like an interesting parallel. To, yeah. Not to that, that yeah. part matters in any way whatsoever. It's the yeah. other thing. Yeah, it's it's the fact that it feels like he drew on a personal experience to direct a scene where someone's basically saying, "Have you tried not being gay?" Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
But I, I really like where the storyline's going. Uh, book three is called Amazing Friends, where I guess he teams up with Firestar and Spider-Man, which I'm really interested in reading. But I will say volume two isn't anywhere nearly as good. Yeah, but this is, this is I'm not familiar with the writer's work. Uh, he apparently has done a few things uh, for Marvel, but I like uh, let's see, he did Iceman, and I think he did some of the Aldi Warp stuff. Okay. Or, uh, when they were doing the the Infinity War. Oh, gotcha. So now, so I think yeah, he did a, a couple of story things there. Let's talk about something that actually did affect the mutant universe in a weird way. One of the greatest storylines oh, of all yeah. time. The one that made me so distraught for days. Avengers disassembled. See, I will say this: I like, I do like Brian Bendis's work. Although I do think he has kind of become Brian Bendis, where he is—he has a very good feel for team dynamics and making everybody sound interesting. And then he keeps writing them, and then they all start to sound like Brian Bendis. Yes, I did notice that. At first, it was refreshing. It was a breath of just, oh, this is a change. I'll say... No one remembers it, but Jeff Johns did, I think, maybe 12 issues, maybe more, of Avengers right before this. And it's pretty damn good. And then Bendis takes over, and all of a sudden, everybody's talking in a different way, a modern way, the way that people really, you know, just, like, bounce off each other. And I was like, this is interesting. It would get, I would think it changed mostly in the new Avengers when they added Spider-Man and him bouncing off everybody, and it became more quippy. Luke Cage is surprisingly funny. <laughs> um... Yeah, well, at least under at least under Bendis. Yeah, other people, eh, hit or miss. No, no. Um, but basically, uh, this is before they rebooted the team, and this is kind of like cleaning house on the Avengers universe. But the other effect is that it cleaned the house on the X Men as well. In in the fact that you know it was all yeah. based around Scarlet Witch having a mental breakdown from losing her children, then losing Vision. And uh, creating, like, this psychotic universe and taking her hate out on the Avengers, which was a shock. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I, It's not a badly written story. It's interesting. I don't like this one, but it's mainly because a lot of what it... It feels like it should have been an event in itself, not... Issue 500 through... Oh, I see. Whatever, so, like, a whole like separate storyline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It feels it feels like it needed to have had a much larger scope than just a, a handful of issues at the tail end of the Avengers run. Who, uh, who drew this because, one? Was it Hitch? Uh, David Finch, yeah. Oh, if, if, I said Hinch, Hitch. I said the wrong person. Uh, I can't stand the art. I know it, I know people love them, but I think the art is truly hideous and reminds me of Dark uh, what is it not Dark Top Cow during that time period. I just don't like yeah. it. Yeah, and he's one of the or he's done stuff for Top Cow, so it's very very apparent in that. Yeah, like I, I will say this: we in our last show that we did, we talked kind of about uh, a little bit of the sexuality in comics, and this is one where it's just kind of a gratuitous thing. Because there's this flashback where we get the, we kind of get the aha moment where Scarlet Witch is, where things kind of start going there. Uh-huh. And it's basically Scarlet Witch having a conversation with the Wasp's ass. 
Because <laughs> it's mostly her butt that's the focus of a lot of these things, or it's Scarlet Witch's face, and then, yeah, like, Wesp is over there, but it's mostly her butt. Yeah, it's also he draws the ugliest faces I've ever seen. So, everybody looks like they're just in hell. Yeah, but it's it's this thing where if I had, had been an Avengers reader at the time, this would have been a total punch in the nuts because it's yeah, it feels like it is the culmination of events that all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? And then everybody dies sort of thing, even though there's only like two deaths in it. OK, so who does die? Uh, Jack of Hearts. What, wait, wait, he's already well, dead, Jack right? Yeah, yeah, he's already dead. Uh, he kills Scott Lang, so you have Ant Man gets killed, but not and really. Then, he's uh, back, correct? So, yeah, no. Oh, no, oh here, yeah, they're both. Both these people are back. Not, nah, but here's but yeah, the thing: uh, Hawkeye. As far as I know, that's the one that devastated me. Uh, the way that Blue Beetle, when he died, I was just devastated for days. Uh, I another fictional character. Shut up! I'm a lonely loser. Um, I live vicariously <laughs> through fiction, and. Uh, Hawkeye is not Hawkeye, as far as I remember. They went into that alternate universe that she created in House of M, and they brought back a different Clint. It is not the one that we've known for decades, and I apparently, as far as I know, that's the same one that's still around. I don't know how Scott yeah, Lang came well, back. Oh, I, I can't remember how Scott Lang gets resurrected, honestly. I, I, part of me goes, I think it was like the Avengers Children's Crusade storyline that brought him back, but... I, I don't remember. But uh, Hawkeye, I guess technically it is the same Hawkeye because he has all the memories of the Hawkeye who dies in this. Yeah, but isn't it but, the one of that universe, though? Technically, but then again, it comics. <laughs> yep. Do you like the new look of Hawkeye? I kind of prefer the old school version. Well, not, not the current. Well... You I'm know, trying to think of what just, his current costume is. Well, but, he basically uh, just wears the shades and, a, and like, a purple, I don't want to say, like, jacket vest thing. Because, I, yeah, I guess. Uh, it's, I do like, I do like the weird domino mask and fins and all, all that stuff. I think one of the funniest, one of the funniest things, and yet also the, I think his death is amazing in this, but him getting ready for battle and he just ha is stacked with arrows. Yeah. Like, obscene amount. I think it's funny is when people say he's so useless um, in the Avengers movies, and I'm like, he's a dude with arrows holding his own against a god, a giant monster, a super soldier. You know what I mean? Just like, he doesn't suck. It's funny, they'll say that about Hawkeye, but they don't say it about Black Widow, when they both essentially are just highly skilled people in their very particular fighting style. Yeah, and even then, if I remember right, ten, I think Hawkeye is a mutant. What? I, no, I'm no. Hes I'm hesitant on this because he, I, and it's like I, I'm, I know I'm not confusing him with the with the uh, Ultimate Universe one who okay. did have enhancements. I mean, you're confusing I know with I'm long not shot. That. <laughs> but I, I want to say he's a mutant, or he, he's he's got something because he ha I think he has a power that has to do with his eyesight. But then again, maybe I'm, I know I'm also 
partially thinking of the Falcon because the Falcon has powers that connect him to his bird. Right. I remember that. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't like, sound like, it sounds like you're more describing Longshot, but I could be wrong about that one too because I know it, he's not technically a mutant. He's born on a planet where he has a power where it makes him incredibly lucky at getting shots. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to say that they brought it up, and maybe they maybe he was at one point, and then everybody just said, "Eh, no, we're just gonna ignore this." Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's just one of the things where she Wanda tears apart the team. She Hawk goes and completely savage, and uh, well, she's the one who destroys Vision, correct? She rips him in half. Yeah, yeah, she tears okay. him in half. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was one of these things where it's just kind of like cleaning house. The Jeff Johns run is kind of like the calm before the storm. The, the art is lighter. The storylines are a little lighter. They're kind of classic style. And then Bendis just digs in hard. And then when he rebooted yeah, and, it... Oh, go ahead. Oh, because, yeah, because this... This is the... As you said before, like, this is the storyline that essentially kicked off the, like, almost, what, six or seven year status quo of the X-Men. And it's like, has... no basically has nothing to do with the X-Men either. No, but because of the ramifications of what Wanda does... Cause, okay, so then it goes into House of M, and then it becomes the 198, right? Yeah, you have the decimation and uh, all the stuff that happens post that. And it doesn't... This this entire thing where... Uh, how, cause it, I know you've already talked about it on a previous show, but House of M, where at the tail end of that is Wanda basically uses her reality-warping powers to say the infamous words, no more mutants. Right. Did you and I do and that episode? No. no okay. this, that was before I came in. But it's, yeah, it wipes out the XG, and it's not until 2011 that they get the first, well, a little before that, but 2011 where the mutants start to show up again. Yeah. Well, they said there were just oh, uh, way too many mutants right now, but I get this weird feeling that it was because... Oh, hold on a second. Fox has the rights to all mutants, so crap. We gotta start eliminating some mutants. They don't have the rights to them. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Because even then, they there's a hundred ninety-eight mutants. Oh, but there's also mutant zero. Oh, but there's also all these other ones that we don't officially like. Submariner. Officially, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, they they're always fudging that number so they could have whoever they wanted to have still have their powers. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's other stuff that followed that with Quicksilver trying to uh, return the XG and stuff. But a lot of that stuff we should never talk about. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, real quickly, uh, when he did reboot it with New Avengers, uh, I'm trying to remember the team now. This is the crazy part is when he started to just get all the heavy hitters. He got Wolverine, Spider-Man, Captain America, and they started adding, like, the cool characters, the ones that didn't get a lot of exposures, Luke Cage... Jessica Jones, and this is where I start to lose. Well, well, Jessica Jones was never officially on the Avengers, but by that point, I think they had start he had started the relationship between Jessica Jones and and Luke Cage. So she was kind of a hanger on because she, I want to say she didn't have her powers. But I, I've read Alias and I've read some of that stuff, so I it was always detective fiction, not really the. I can never remember if there was actually any superpowers used. Right, right. Who else was on the team? I know, I know they had people coming in and out like Daredevil and Echo. Uh, what was the one that was actually Wait, Iron Fist? No, was it Iron Fist? Was in the uh, Ronin outfit? I can't remember. No. Uh, or was that Matt? Murdock? God, <laughs> no. 
Hawkeye. Hawkeye was in. Yeah, Hawkeye was in that. Was in the Ronin outfit for oh, a duh. while. Iron Fist was Daredevil. But yeah, <laughs> but duh, I forgot because isn't he Ronin in the new Avengers movie? Right? Yeah, he, okay. yeah, they gave him the Ronin costume. Right. Well, that's a that was a cool fan, like a little bit. Because unless you don't, you know, unless you know the comics, it's gonna be like just a real weird random thing to choose. Yeah, and oh God, like Miss Marvel was on the team. At right. One point. Yeah, and then she went over to Mighty Avengers. Yeah, and that the problem is there's so much Avengers that Bendis wrote that I can't keep all of it straight. Like, who's on what team at what time? Yeah. Well, I always know the, brought, the identity of Mighty Avengers. At one point. The Mighty Avengers is always the bigger, the more mainstream style. You know, the art was more like, you know, Frank Cho uh, drew for it. And it was big, fun, stupid adventures. Whereas the new Avengers seem to be more complex and darker. I'm going to look right now and see who who was. Uh... Yeah. It's like, I mean, here's to, to a point that I was making where he was so prolific on this title. Like, Here's, here's how much they did uh, when they did the Secret Invasion storyline. Bendis wrote the storyline for, for the actual event. And then two of the books, I, there's three Avengers books at that time, because there's Avengers Academy, Mighty, and, and the uh, New Avengers. And like New Avengers was one half of the background. I, I want to say it was the Nick Fury's Secret Avengers. Yeah, I, re- I read that one. And then Mighty Avengers was all the scroll side of the story. And then <laughs> well, it's funny. And then it's, you had the other one. It used to be that the two identities were West Coast Avengers uh, and the regular Avengers. And the West Coast was always kind of like more the street characters, the ones that could handle like more the C&D level villains and stuff like that. Whereas the A was all the intergalactic kind of stuff. And then... They switched places where the main Avengers title was more of the down and dirty street characters. You know, they're taking on ninjas and stuff like that. And then Mighty Avengers was like, oh, we're going to fight a giant creature. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was also because that's when the post-Civil War stuff happened. So Mighty Avengers became the official Avengers. Yeah. And then, yeah, New Avengers was them all in hiding but still want to do superheroics uh the other two okay so i looked it up the other two that were on the team during that initial run was sentry and uh spider woman and then who knew sentry was going to be such a fucking disaster oh my god oh oh i could i could have told you from the very beginning because he was so very obviously superman and i i did like the idea that when they created that character that it was oh he not only is he literally his own worst enemy but he, uh, to, to try to live a normal life, he, everybody was mind-wiped into forgetting he ever existed. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, by the way, we also had this character. Did you so ever read... Was kind of an interesting thing. What was the storyline? Damn it, it was, it was Siege. Siege was a storyline where they used him as this insane weapon. I think it was, I want to say it was Dr. Doom. Somebody else teamed up to... No, uh, not Dr. Doom. Uh, it was oh. the Green Goblin. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the time uh, he was running... Hammer. Yeah, he was basically yeah. running the government. And uh, he used Sentry. And he flies through Ares. He tears him apart. A god. He tears so, apart. Well, well, he, just, he, well he just he rips him apart. Uh, he flies... Like, they basically, like... He's flying through buildings and tearing stuff down. But yeah, he just rips Ares just in half. That's horrifying. Yeah, that was... But, yeah, that was... 
that was a great story. Yeah, that was kind of a capper of that era, though, was Siege. Yeah, it, it was the perfect length for what it needed to be, because, like, I love Secret Invasion, but I think it's one issue too long. Yeah, and I also, sometimes the, uh, hey, it's going to cross over to every title. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. It drives me nuts. Because yeah. back in the day when you'd have a crossover, say it was Avengers-oriented crossover, it would only touch the main guys. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and that was about it. And, well, okay, I can kind of see Secret well, Invasion because it was about the scrolls imitating all sorts of people in the universe. So it wasn't specifically designed around a certain team. But it, most of the tie-ins were just people fighting the, the new versions of scrolls, yeah. which... Depending on who it was, like the Deadpool, the Deadpool, which relaunched during that, with that arc. That's right, and Punisher. That was actually, yeah, no, no, that Punisher what is it? was, Pun well, the Punisher no, War no, Journal. Was, the... was it Punisher War Journal? No, that was, that was during Civil War. See, it was, was okay, War. yeah, thank you, all right. But yeah, like Deadpool's actually had a tie-in to the main storyline because he's actually getting information from the scrolls to give yeah. to Nick Fury. But that gets uh, Green Goblin intercepts it, and oh, we changed the uh, we changed the dynamic for yeah. everything. Did we do Thunderbolts? We did not. We didn't. But, yeah, Thunderbolt. God. Yeah, I, I love that comic. And then what I loved about Siege was also a kind of a capper for the Thunderbolts. And then um, the best part of it, I think, the whole thing was the fact that uh, Taskmaster. Who's always been one of those guys that shows up for one issue and then moves on, even though he's an insanely like intricate villain. I was just astonished they finally decided to do something with him. And it's like, look, do you want to be on the sidelines all the time, or do you want to make a play? Do you want to stop being a guy who trains other villains, and do you want to be a real leader? And he actually takes up that challenge, and it just goes so wrong for him. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. He's also he is an interesting villain when done well, and. Stuff like that is when he has really done well. You have to give him something to do, not just, I'm just going to come here, mimic your mimic your moves, and somehow you're just going to beat me. Yeah, he seems like the kind of villain you could put in the movies because his, his ability to just basically master any fighting style and outwit anybody. It's just the, the photoreflexive. Is that what it is? Photo, yeah, photoreflexive. Photoreflexive, yeah. yeah. Uh, although he is, a, allegedly, he's going to be the villain of Black Widow. Ooh. Oh, I thought that was supposed to be. Uh, I thought it was supposed to be Red Guardian. Huh. He might. I think he's also in it, but or at least he's mentioned. Okay. Maybe not necessarily in costume, but yeah. See, <laughs> from what I understand, it's Taskmaster is again maybe not the main villain, but the main guy who's going to be running around in a costume doing stuff. Well, that was a lot of fun. I um, do we have anything other? Do we have any other episodes lined up? I can't remember. Nothing between us. I've got a couple of episodes I just need to get people to finish reading stuff for. Yeah. But I've got at least three of those uh, in the works. Well, folks, um, I only have a few more episodes left as me as the lead, and he's going to be taking over. And then come uh, come January, this is going to be combined with Back in Tunes, and we're going to become Hit Rewind. So uh, you'll see that show come up soon. It's just easier for me to combine everything. We can talk about current stuff. We can talk about anything. It's not stuck to a format. And I think it's just going to be easier for me. And uh, I can talk about video games and TV shows and stuff like that. 
But uh, we will have our segments, and we'll step aside for here and there for comic book stuff. But uh, I really appreciate you helping me the last couple of years. Oh, I'm very glad to. I've been having a blast. Yeah, it's just sometimes it gets I'm too much. I'm having a blast. Yeah, too, it's sometimes it's just too much for me. Finding the comic books and getting the person on the other side to read it too, and then you realize, oh, this sucks, we shouldn't even discuss this. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you think it, like it's a great idea. Sometimes you should stick to the big storylines. Cause I got a, I got an episode I was gonna work on Jacob with about uh, comic books that continue the storyline from movies and TV shows. Oof. Oh, I can imagine some of those are bad, or even uh, like especially those Marvel movie tie-in ones. Yeah. Well, this no, the rules were it had to continue the story outside of the movie. It can't be an adaptation. This Indiana oh, no, Jones. No, I mean, like, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But like the pre like the prequel ones where it's like oh yeah, yeah. here's the prelude to Iron Man two <laughs> yeah it's uh so I have Indiana Jones the Marvel series Serenity Dark Man Robocop stuff like that Buckaroo Banzai oh, I can imagine Buckaroo Banzai would be a lot of fun yeah but they only ever did the one, Robocop stuff <laughs> yeah the Robocop stuff eh, depending on who's writing it yeah uh, unless you're doing Robocop versus Terminator yep that's basically the only one but Frank Miller, whenever he touches uh, Robocop, it's always like, a, okay, how's this going to go? <laughs> you, have, you have basically, for me, a 30% chance of it being good. Yeah. Because it's Frank Miller. Uh, like, when he, hit, when he hits, he hits hard and he hits good. Yep. But for me, it's mostly misses. Hard-boiled. Everything he did basically for Dark Horse is great. Yeah, it's like, I, well, I, the, the one based off his original screenplay for Robocop 2, I... What I a, could not get into. Yeah, I know. What a big bag of ass that was. I was so hyped and was like, okay, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it, even if he had had a say in what, what they were going to do for Robocop 2, it wouldn't have been a good movie. Oh, my God. It's 5.30? It's 5.30, people! Oh. That's okay. Um, hey, got to cut it short. <laughs> I got another episode after this. I need to rest and take my dog out to the bathroom. So, John, not to cut you off short, but I'm getting tired, too. So, um... Where can they find you? The cops, I mean, for the murders you You can find you me on Twitter. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. And you can listen to me occasionally pop up on uh, various shows on the Retro Rocket Network. Yes, and you've been guesting on um, uh, what did we just watch? And we just plugged your episode that you did about the Swamp Thing movies. Because that was Ooh. a that was a really good episode. Because usually you guys discuss movies I have no interest in whatsoever because they're too strange, and that was a mainstream strange. Yeah. Oh, you just did Last Action and Hero. That was a good one too. Yes, that that one was fun. And I, we had a blast recording that. But yeah, definitely with the swap things. Watch the second one. That's the best one. Yeah, the first one's a big bag of shit. I just can't. I can't. No. Guys, looks like he's wearing a I mean, big green sock. Hot, but no. Okay, everybody. Uh, sorry, I'm getting winded. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment, and we are out. Later, everybody. That's not your f- catchphrase. Say your catchphrase. <laughs> I am changing it up. No, like, you have to be the Fonzie. Like, yeah, you have to be the Fonzie <laughs> of this show. Hey, Fonzie doesn't come in and go, uh, stay cool, kids. Like, who is that? Who is that doppelganger? That's the secret invasion of the happy days. You're not going to say it. I'll say it. Keep reading comics, kids. Damn it. You're evil.